This is part two of our series looking at the criminal justice reforms in New South Wales. Today's episode is about sentencing laws and we're joined again by Nick Ashby, criminal lawyer. Welcome to Law for Community Workers On The Go, a series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. This series is brought to you by the Community Legal Education Team here at Legal Aid New South Wales and our aim is to help you help your clients. So tune in whenever you can, in the car, on the train, at the gym, cooking dinner, basically wherever you already listen to podcasts. So we hope you enjoy today's episode and that you learn something new and interesting. A lot of people will be familiar with some sentencing terms like home detention, good behaviour or good behaviour bonds, community service and suspended sentences. But there have been some big changes. So keep listening to learn about what's happened to these terms. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are broadcasting from today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay our respects to elders past and present. I asked Nick first to explain why New South Wales is changing the laws on sentencing. Um, first point being that the jails are bursting at the seams and these reforms are meant to make community-based sentencing options and that doesn't mean just community orders but also jail sentences being served in the community more available to the courts to hopefully mean a greater number of um, offenders can serve their sentences positively and constructively in the community while subject to supervision and other conditions. And there's research about that being more effective. That's right. So the strategy is around reducing reoffending through having more people remain in the community um, while serving whatever their sentence be and uh, also to introduce, as I say, a more intensive supervision um, regime to complement that as that's also been shown to have a significant impact on uh, a person's likelihood of reoffending. Just to clarify, there are some types of prison sentences which are served in the community, which means that the person doesn't actually go to jail, but they do have strict supervision and conditions. Community corrections officers are the ones responsible for this supervision. There are a lot of new terms and, as a result, acronyms for us all to become familiar with. Let's start with hearing from Nick about which sentences are being abolished and replaced by the new sentencing option of Intensive Correction Orders, or ICOs. So, first of all, home detention as a standalone order um, is being abolished. That will be brought within the regime of a new intensive correction order as a sentencing condition. So ECO, some people say, or intensive correction order. That's right, an ICO. Community service is another sentence you might be familiar with, and that one's also changing. The new sentence we'll hear about now is a community correction order. So people will no longer receive community service orders, um, but depending on, on the view of the sentencing court, the magistrate or the judge, um, they would be receiving either a new intensive correction order or, or a new order called a community correction order with a community service condition. The next term we are saying goodbye to is the good behaviour bond. This is also replaced by community correction orders. Uh, thirdly, the old good behaviour bond, section 9 of the Sentencing Act, um, that is being abolished. 
um, those good behavior bonds will convert to the new community correction order and that will happen automatically on the 24th of September um, but will become no more onerous so clients won't necessarily even know this has occurred um, we don't know how this is going to be communicated to them but essentially it will be a, an automatic consequence of the commencement of the of the legislation. Another one that's changing is section 10s that might be a term that people are familiar with so section 10s can be given by a court either with a promise to be of good behaviour or without so if it's a section 10 with a promise to be of good behaviour, that is now called a conditional release order. But the section 10s with no conditions, there's no change to those. So 10-1A is being retained, so there can be a, a, a non-conviction with no further penalty. But 10-1B, non-conviction with a good behaviour bond, will become the new conditional release order. And 10-A, so a court that convicts an offender, um, may dispose of the proceedings without imposing any other penalty. That is also being retained as are fines, as are what we always call the Griffiths remand, the section 10 remand, where a person can be placed subject to bail with conditions to undertake rehabilitation um, before the court makes the ultimate sentencing decision. So a lot of sentencing um, options are being retained, but anything which is essentially community-based is going to be subject to these reforms. So let's just summarise what's not changing with sentencing in New South Wales. So section 10s without conditions, fines, so there's no changes to fines, and also what lawyers call a Griffiths remand. So for example, that's when um, the court allows someone to go out into the community, often to a drug and alcohol rehab, for example, and then they come back to court and are sentenced at a later date. So Griffiths remand, no changes there. Now, suspended sentences are being abolished, and this is quite significant. Suspended sentences under um, Section 12 of the Sentencing Act, um, they will, anyone who is subject to a suspended sentence will continue to be subject to a suspended sentence after the 24th of September. Those are orders that will not um, be converted to anything else. But if breached and the person has returned to the sentencing court um, on breach of a suspended sentence, then the resentencing exercise um, will be subject to the new regime so the court will either be imposing full-time jail as they historically always would have done uh, or the court could impose one of the new intensive correction orders um, with the other options that, are, that apply to that order. Now let's hear from Nick about what's happening with the old suspended sentences. So an intensive correction order is still, as it always has been, is still a jail sentence so the court would have to consider that a jail sentence is appropriate. For a single offence, an intensive correction order cannot be imposed for longer than two years. Um, under the new regime, the court will be able to accumulate these orders up to three years for multiple offences. So that's a, an increase in the um, length of the order that the court could have in mind. Um, but essentially, yes, that's a, that's a jail sentence in the community. The court wouldn't be making these orders unless they have considered that a person has has crossed the threshold to merit a jail sentence. Let's take a step back and have a closer look at the intensive correction order, which would be applied in more serious matters. Um, on breach, if a uh, suspended sentence is breached, of course the court can set essentially um, a period of time to be served in jail, which could be significantly less than the actual length of the suspended sentence order. Whereas if a, an intensive correction order is breached under the new regime, then that is, um, that is administered by the State Parole Authority and um, as practitioners will be aware, 
um, but perhaps not community workers when setting an intensive correction order length so say the order is 12 months um, there is no non-parole period set so upon breach a person is liable and again it's a bit more complicated than this but is liable to go to jail for the full term of the order there are also changes to breaches in relation to the new intensive correction orders so what we would use to ask for a um, a good behaviour bond without a conviction under Section 10.1b of the Sentencing Act, you would now be asking for a conditional release order without conviction. The court can impose a conditional release order with conviction and in either, in either case can set these conditions, um, could set a condition of, for example, supervision or, or alcohol and drugs abstention or to engage in a programme. Let's now review conditional release orders and what those conditions might look like. So a community corrections order is the is the higher version, the more serious version of a community order. So um, it's an alternative to jail, but it would be imposed where the, the custody threshold has not necessarily been crossed. Um, and to that, the magistrate or judge could add community service of up to 500 hours. That's quite a lot. That's a lot of hours. Um, and also um, supervision. And also could impose a requirement to go and undertake appropriate programs and treatment or abstain from alcohol or drugs. So that's a community uh, corrections order. Coming back to the community correction orders, let's have a look at the conditions that can be imposed. And then the next rung up the ladder, as it were, um, if the court is not going to impose full-time jail, is the new intensive correction order. Um, there are certain improvements from a defence point of view. Um, because the previous requirement for an ICO to contain a mandatory um, 32 hours per month of community service, that requirement has now been abolished, or will be abolished on the 24th of September, yeah. and um, which means that, that these orders are going to be available for many more people than, um, than previously couldn't receive an ICO and would um, ultimately be sent to full-time jail because the court had no other option. Um, so for example, people who live in um, country areas where community service is not um, freely available, um, or even people who are for physical or mental um, health issues perhaps not suitable to undertake community service, they can now be brought within the, that sentencing regime. So we think it's going to open up um, a lot more opportunity for these um, sorts of offenders to receive ICOs rather than full-time jail. Now moving up the hierarchy of penalties, we'll now come back and look at intensive correction orders. As I say, there were just resource limitations in, in, some, of the, in some regional areas um, which limit the capacity for community corrections to provide community service placements. Um, so if it's no longer a mandatory requirement for a person to um, have a community service requirement as a condition of an ICO, that means that they could be subject to an ICO perhaps with other conditions. Um, they will have to be subject to supervision, uh, but they could also be subject to home detention or electronic monitoring, um, or again, other programs, alcohol and drugs abstention, um, these sorts of... And hopefully some of the new corrections officers will be available in those regional well, areas. Well, we, we hope yeah. so. We hope so. As I say, it's, a, it's a, I think, a bit of a wait and see. Yeah. It's important that we don't just focus on metropolitan areas. So let's have a look at how these changes may impact regional areas. That's right. So community corrections officers um, will be responsible for tailoring supervision um, 
to suit a person's particular particular circumstances. Again, there's been a lot of research in this area. Um, it's going to be uh, a we understand a significantly improved regime. It's going to include a lot more focus on cognitive behavioural therapy um, and risk management. And there's also going to be power for community corrections officers who are um, supervising a person subject to one of these orders um, to have more discretion over whether they uh, refer a person for breach, um, either back to the court in the case of a CCO or CRO, or to the State Parole Authority if a person is subject to an ICO. So, It's also good to point out that this supervision we're talking about here is only done by community correction officers, not by community workers. Officers also have some additional powers in terms of um, suspending some conditions of these orders. Um, so the orders can change? The orders can, there's, there's some limited yeah. okay. uh, power to, to do that. Um, and, um, and of course, upon breach, the courts would have the power to impose more onerous conditions, um, as well as resentence. So could that be if the victims feel unsafe or there's some problems going on can the well I think conditions be put on? Um, difficult to sort of yeah. um, to, 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 to come up with a sort of one-size-fits-all answer to that yeah. but look um, in a domestic violence context there's obviously uh, there are some changes around ICOs that we, we should probably touch upon yeah. um, and um, you know one would have said it's probably more in the context of um, not going to the appointments for supervision um, perhaps missing some community service work, um, any new offences so um, are likely are likely, and certainly in the context of an ICO, it would be a mandatory reporting um, to the state parole authority for breach. Um, but again, coupled with that, the officer can make recommendations um, not to take any further action. So, if the new offence, for example, was um, perhaps someone with an entrenched, entrenched drug dependency is found in possession of a small amount of whatever their narcotic of choice is, um, it may well be that whilst that offence would trigger a mandatory referral to the State Parole Authority with a recommendation that no further action be taken, um, hopefully that the, the, the authority would, would exercise that discretion. And coupled with that, um, there is, a, an, I understand, a significant change to the requirement to report where a person has tested positive for a drug while subject to an ICO. Um, that is not, as I understand it, a um, now a, or will not be from the 24th of September, a mandatory reporting trigger. What about breaches of parole in the new regime? What's changed? Um, but as I say, it's a more flexible regime. So if the courts are receiving people before, the, before them for breach of a CCO or CRO, then the court could... That's right. Community creation order, conditional release order. Then, rather than breach, um, revoke, and resentence, it could be that the court imposes more onerous conditions um, to reflect the breach, so that a person subject to the order can continue to be subject to the order, but may have to do some, for example, some additional community service or could a have drug to go to rehab? or rehab. Yeah, yeah. As I say, these are these are orders which are designed to have more flexibility. Um, with a with a focus on keeping people in the community whilst um, serving out the punishment and rehabilitation, which which is around which the sentence is designed. So, just to recap, which types of offences are affected by the reforms? And our earlier podcast about the early appropriate guilty plea reforms was just in relation to serious offences, but these sentencing changes in New South Wales apply 
to all. That's right. Offences. So the, this all the, the the sentencing reforms have application in the local court, yeah. to summary proceedings, um, and also in the district court. Let's have a look at the changes made in relation to domestic violence offenders. Well, that's right. The main the main change is that the sentencing legislation will now effectively contain a statutory presumption that a person convicted of a domestic violence offence um, should receive a full-time jail sentence. Um, now, that does not um, discount the possibility, um, and in fact the law provides that a person could receive, as an alternative to that, a supervisory order. So a supervisory order would be any of the three orders we've been talking about. So a an intensive correction order, a community correction order, or a conditional release order, provided it is subject to and it contains a supervision requirement. And in fact, um, no sentencing options are ruled out in the context of domestic violence offenders. It just creates a presumption um, and, and I would have thought an expectation that the magistrate should um, have a uh, have due consideration of full-time jail and then obviously the defence lawyer um, or the um, offender will have to address that um, statutory presumption as in, in the sentencing um, advocacy. Um, the other aspect of domestic violence um, that, that um, we should all be aware of is the limitations on um, intensive correction orders. Uh, and unless the court can be satisfied that the victim can be protected, um, should not be imposing um, an intensive correction order, for example, for someone to go and live back at the um, address where both parties live. Now, in reality, um, that's probably not much of a significant change because certainly in my experience, um, where um, offenders are assessed for intensive correction orders and they have to have a, um, a, a, a written assessment by a community corrections officer in most circumstances, certainly it's a, it's a statutory requirement for home detention, um, one of the first issues that the report writer would address would be the accommodation um, and um, and generally speaking the courts would be reluctant to um, send an offender back to a, a, an address where it would be placing the victim at risk. So whilst the law has has been changed in all practical reality it may not be that significant or as significant to change um, as, as one would assume at first glance of the uh, change to the legislation. So community workers might have clients who come to them and are really confused about these changes. They might currently be on a suspended sentence or have a uh, community service order and might be really confused about what's going to happen when these reforms start. What should those people do? That's right, depending on where they live. Um, there are clinics, um, usually walk-in clinics, um, depending on, on the office, whether it be Central Sydney or a Sydney Metropolitan Office or a regional office. Um, and and you know the the lawyers there should be able to advise on the implications for um, any sentences that are going to be automatically converted. But I stress, um, whilst they may have a different name, whilst it may be called a community corrections order instead of a a good behaviour bond, um, the um, legislation will not make the order any more onerous. Yeah. Um, but I suppose there may be consequences on breach mm. and resentencing because the new the new regime will apply. Um, law access is another. Yep. One three hundred triple eight five They may not. They may not necessarily have the um, have the expertise and uh, to, you know, give the precise sort of implications of the changes. Um, but I, 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 I don't mean they can certainly yeah. refer people back to legal yep. aid. Yep. Um, 
And of course, there is there are duty lawyer services at the local courts um, for people appearing on breaches. Mm, yes. And all right, on that, there's also um, help available at courts for victims. Oh, that's right, of course. Victims of domestic violence, Spencer's the Women's Domestic Violence Court Advocacy Service. That's right. So if victims are concerned about the changes or um, how it will affect them, then they can contact the... That's right. Most local case. courts have a have a, um, a domestic violence list, and my understanding is that, that, that most of those lists are attended by someone from the Women's Domestic mm. Violence Court Advocacy Service um, to assist victims of at court yep. and we had another podcast about the ADVOs as well because they changed a few years ago other reforms so thank you so much Nick for your time and expertise today and we will see you maybe next time as these laws keep <laughs> thanks, changing Ashley. okay thanks Nick North Community Workers On The Go is brought to you by Legal Aid New South Wales. Our aim is to help community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community know about the laws that affect their clients and the services that are out there that can best help. Now there's really only one way we can make sure that that information is relevant and helpful to your work and that's with your help. So if you have any feedback for us or maybe your clients keep asking you the same thing and you just want to know more about that topic, then please get in touch with us. Uh, the email address is cle at legalaid.newsouthwales.gov.au. Make sure you follow our podcast channel on either iTunes or the Podbean app. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our Law for Community Worker alerts to find out what webinars and podcasts are coming up. You can subscribe to our alerts by going to the Legal Aid New South Wales website, hitting the tab News and Media, and then just follow the links. Until next time, thanks again from the CLE branch here at Legal Aid New South Wales.